0: Welcome to the Power of the Workplace podcast. I'm your host, Edgar Zuniga. Today, we're joined by James Franklin, Chief Customer Officer at SpaceIQ, Josh Carson, Head of Account Management for SpaceIQ Product, and Ryan Benson, Customer Success Manager at SpaceIQ. Thank you, all three of you, for being with us today.
1: Our pleasure. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you. So, James, let's start with you. Customer success. What exactly is customer success for people who are not familiar with the term or who may confuse it with customer service?
1: So, customer success um, is the philosophy and the dedication to making sure that our customers, with whatever products and services that they buy from us, are able to maximize their business success and execute with the greatest possible value out of the solutions that we provide them. Support is somewhat reactionary and customer success is proactive. How do we make sure that you're getting the full value, fully adopting and um, basically just reiterating myself getting the maximum value. So how it pertains in particular for our customers in the real estate space, is 2020 was an interesting year, an unusual year for all of us. And as everyone knows, the entire world left the workplace and started working from home, or at least the vast majority of employees did. And so customer success last year took on the mantle of making sure that our customers were able to get their staff out of the workplace safely, and we're able to as a, as productively as possible continue to do their job from a space standpoint like knowing who's working from home and making sure that as a real estate group they're they're able to continue and fulfilling their duties now in 2021 customer success is all about how are we going to get people back into the office what are they going to be doing in the office and how is that approach to using space going to change we know it's going to change We know a lot more people are gonna be working from home. So what can we do and what can we do with the products and services, the solutions that we provide our customers so that they're able to navigate these changes in the most effective way. And ideally, and we expect, not only is it gonna be productive, but there's gonna be new benefits that they didn't realize even before uh, everybody went home.
0: Got it. Now, Josh, how does the SAQ product um, at SpaceIQ help fulfill customer success?
2: So the SpaceIQ product is is geared towards facilities, but also the end user of these said companies. So, you know, as customer success, really our goal is to drive adoption and to really get this get the system ingrained within the organization all the way down to the employee level. Now, as James said, 2020 was a very interesting year. Uh, We went from everyone being in the office to everyone being at home, and now everyone's starting to formulate these plans of going back to work and getting back in the office, but they don't know how to do that because everything's so different now and everything is completely changed. So from our product standpoint, we need to almost reteach our clients how to use Space IQ and um, how to drive adoption down to the employee level because before... A lot of the, the main focus for um, SIQ was on the facilities team. They use it to run the business and the organization and, and see different things throughout the, uh, the office. But now it's how do we get the employees back safely? How do we get them to feel confident in coming in, knowing that all the safety measures are met and that they also have the technology that's going to drive that for them to make it easy and efficient? So, you know, really from a customer success standpoint, for SIQ, it's, it's very important because without someone to kind of guide you in how to use the system, how to adopt it, um, you're, kind of, uh, you're kind of left scratching your head.
0: Moving on to um, Ryan. Ryan, thank you for being with us. As a customer success manager, how do you define, how does SpaceIQ define customer success? And how has w- the work that you do with clients changed in the last year with COVID-19?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so customer success all starts with the customer journey from the moment that they come in as a customer. And really, as a CSM, you're acting as like their guide through that journey from the moment that they enter in through onboarding to their adoption of the product and then solving new problems for them as they move forward. Things have changed a lot over the last year. The people that we interact with on a regular basis are. Are faced with a whole set of new challenges not only that but they also have a little bit of a of a deadline to meet these challenges to do something that they haven't done before so there's been a lot of guidance as far as strategizing on exactly how do we get people out of the workplace how do we get them back into the workplace but really you know the the main point of emphasis is a strategic focus and how do we help them achieve those business goals and you know right now those business goals are getting people back into the workplace in a safe manner
0: now going back to james What products does BaseIQ have for CS, for customer success, and also uh, what attributes define a great CS rep?
1: A great customer success manager, I always like to start off with uh, what I term customer empathy. Right, You have to be able to put yourself in the customer's shoes, and you have to be able to understand the challenges that they face every day. So Ryan did a great job of saying, there's new challenges all the time. It's my job to help you navigate those challenges. And the better you understand your customer and you understand what they're going through, then the better you're going to be able to do that. And you have to care. Uh, you have to view your success as the customer's success. And that's how you measure your own accomplishment. So that's probably first and foremost. Secondly, you need to have that strategic mindset. You need to be able to see the big picture, but you also have to go into the details as well. So. You, you, uh, you have an interesting job, especially uh, with an organization like us that has so many different products that cover such a wide range of organizations, whether you're a small tech company or one of the largest organizations in the world, you're using our portfolio to solve challenges, right? So you have to be able to go in and make sure that the details are being covered. While being able to have a big picture view and saying, where do you want to end up two, three years from now?
0: James, could you briefly go over the different products that SpaceIQ has for customer success? I know SIQ is one of them.
1: Yep. Customer success managers enable our customers with three primary products or platforms. One is SIQ, which is uh, used by large and small companies. It has a focus on quick adoption, quick time to value, ease of use. And uh, I like to say it has all the things that you need in order to manage space and 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 it doesn't have the things you don't. Right. It is used by a lot of smaller organizations, but also large organizations who may have a more complicated or antiquated legacy system on the backside. And they want something on the front that just does the space management piece extraordinarily well and very simply. Then we have uh, our Seraview product, which is has more data, more data sources, and more features and functionality. So if you want to go into that next level of detail and really drive into understanding how your space is being used and optimize that space, most of the customers that are looking for that go to the View platform. And then our third platform is ArcaBus, which is focused on managing facilities. So if you own a facility, uh, you're going to be very interested in, in all of the things that it takes to make sure that that facility is being taken care of. And we have the largest, most well-known product in that space been around 35 years. And so all together, uh, those three products cover the needs of any customer, regardless of where they're at or what they may be looking for, or what their journey might look like.
0: Got it. Thank you for that overview, Josh. How many requests does Space IQ receive in a month?
2: It really depends on on the requests. Now there are requests for training. There's requests for an additional feature, and there's also um, just a simple support request. So I'd say in a in a typical month, especially at this time, we probably have I'd say at least. 30 to 40 product requests alone that come in every month. Like I said, with uh, everything happening so fast and customers having to uh, react to the new setting of the office, there's definitely functionality that uh, you know that didn't really exist pre-COVID. Um, now, from a support standpoint, I'd, I'd say probably the same, about, about uh, 30 or 40. Again, those, those are smaller requests that uh, are pretty transactional. Um, so around 100 between the, the
3: different uh, request types.
0: So Ryan, as a customer success manager, how many clients do you work with, say, on a weekly basis?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. that's a great question. It almost. Uh, it kind of depends a little bit, as Josh was alluding to. The way we engage with customers, we have our kind of standard cadence of calls that we'll have with customers, um, which, depending on the customer, it could be anywhere from in what we have going on with the customer. It could be weekly, bi-weekly, sometimes monthly. Those are more of like the standard interactions. Then, from time to time, uh, we might have some some questions that pop up or we might have a project that we're working through. So it's really a tough one to answer because it all depends on the ebb and flow of the account, what we have going on with them. So, yeah, it's a it, it changes day to day.
0: So it seems like the one of the main objectives as a, as a customer success manager is to foresee pitfalls and issues before they arise, correct? How do you foresee? these issues, obviously you have to learn very well what the mission and objectives of of these particular companies are.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it all ties into some of the things that we've been talking about um, earlier in aligning to their goals and having those conversations about what are you trying to accomplish, um, you know, within the next month, six months, year, like what are the goals that you're looking to accomplish with the software and as a business? And having that understanding of your customer is going to help you identify potential pitfalls. And then also, you know, having that that listening ability as well and taking the time to not just speak to your customer, but also listen to your customer. You know, so it's very conversational, you know, and just understanding the goals and being a good listener as well.
0: Now if we could go through some specific examples of requests that you've gotten especially you know in the last few months or weeks as covid continues to affect companies and it continues to be an issue and it's becoming a growing issue now with new strains of the virus vaccination being rolled out but not quickly enough
1: a couple things come to mind i'll i'll pick just one based upon the time that we have a lot of customers have come to us and said we're being asked to do things we haven't done before. For example, everybody's wanted to switch to this agile workspace that is um, pretty across the board trend. And by agile, what we mean is a traditional seating is you have a desk, you go there every day, that's your assigned desk. Agile is uh, we have lots of desks, and when you're going to come use it, you're going to re- reserve it, right? So more flexible seating. and. Um, companies are moving to flexible as more people are working from home and they come into the office for collaboration um, on a part-time basis or for whatever circumstances um, they need the space for. But for organizations that haven't done that in the past, they're asking for help on how do we roll this out to all of our employees? And so we're gonna put a mobile app or something like that in the hands of every single employee, they're gonna be coming to the office They have concerns about coming back to the office because protocols are gonna be different. What about cleaning? How is that gonna work? So there's a health and safety aspect to it. There's a change management aspect to it. Uh, And then there's a product usage and enablement and training aspect to it. So a lot of customers have come to us and said, we need help with that. And so that's where we started looking at, let's get ahead of this and let's start to put together some training videos that say, Here's how you can educate your customers. And even offering additional services to say, if you want to coach your employees, enable your employees with your own look and feel, your own process, uh, we'll work with you and put that together, tailored for your specific needs and your specific messaging. And that was a service that you know, a few months ago, we didn't provide. Uh, and that's where, you know, Josh and Ryan said, we need to listen to our customers and be ready to respond and work on their upcoming needs. That's a perfect example of where our customer success group innovated and created something new, uh, based upon the challenges that we expected and they expected, uh, were upcoming.
0: Got it. Um, Josh, could you give us an example and how does innovation play a a role in this? A lot has changed. You've had to move in another direction or kind of double down on the principles that you've been managing at Space IQ
2: yeah so James you know James hit it right on the head and everyone is moving to this this agile works uh, workflow and things are much different than, than they were before and they're going to continue to be different as we navigate you know getting people back in the office so I think a, a good specific example is combining multiple systems that you already had within your facility. So not only do we need to get employees to have a, a way to go on a mobile app and, and find a desk that they want to look for uh, tomorrow or the next day, but they also need to make multiple systems on the back end work in conjunction with each other. So uh, we were specifically working with a company that had a, a visitor management system that primarily before was catered more around when you come in the office, you check in to let someone know you're there. They come and get you and take you back to their office. Now, with systems, they are integrating with, with badging control, access management, to actually enable someone's badge. So when you do book a desk, it'll send you a health screening. Yes, I'm healthy. I can come in the office. I feel great. Perfect. Now that now that you've let me know you're okay to come to the office, I need to know exactly when I need to activate your badge so you can actually gain access to the, the physical building itself. So... You know that's a specific example, but I would say integrations are a huge part of this, and and you know companies working together and different different products coming together all for this one cause. So that's really kind of shaped the future of of the facilities.
0: That's a very interesting example because definitely in my previous life, I would often have to register guests. Sometimes they were employees from other facilities, and then getting their badge to work was an entirely different process. It was yep. very complicated. I would have to physically go and get them from the lobby that's something that you know right now is not really as feasible because there's less people in the building so I think that's something that is really practical that maybe wasn't thought of before so thank you for that example how how is it changing or how is it becoming more data driven because obviously data is huge and has always been huge
3: yeah yeah well I think it change it starts with the with the philosophies that a lot of workplaces are looking at currently um you know particularly here in the US you know Historically, it's been a very one-to-one kind of environment, which is you know, pretty straightforward. Uh, a person comes in or they don't. Like You can tell that by like a badge swipe. Did they come in today or did they work from home? But as we look at unassigned desks and look at flexible working areas, how do you know how people are using that without some sort of reservation type system? right? So reservation captures a type of data that tells you who's coming in, who's using that desk for the day. Uh, and then, you know, there, there's also flexible working spaces, right? Uh, an area that maybe somebody goes to, to sit on a couch and do some work. That's not an area that anyone necessarily signs into. So, you know, utilizing things like sensors can tell you how often somebody's sitting there. Um, same, same goes for like conference rooms as well. You know, if we have this 10 person conference room, how often is it at full capacity? Right. You know, sensors can tell you stuff like that as far as, you know, is it really needed? Can we break it down into a space that maybe is more serviceable, more usable? Um, so there's a lot of actionable intelligence out there when you start collecting this data. And I think it's a topic that is starting to come up more and more as we look at the, uh, the future of work.
0: I think that's a very important point. Um, as we move forward, real estate in the workplace may be reduced because companies are realizing that a lot of the work can be done from home. So as this data is analyzed from badges or sensors, perhaps footprints will be reduced. I'm not sure which one of you would like to address that issue, but how do you see workplaces and the real estate being reduced potentially in the next few years?
1: So we definitely see um, a pervasive, I would say, intent to optimize your real estate portfolio. The number that we hear quite a bit is customers are looking at maybe a 20 to 25% uh, shrinking in their portfolio over the next four to five years. But it it really varies by customer and by industry because we see some customers and some industry saying we used to centralize everything into a big campus or a big building, and now we're looking at a more regional approach, smaller office space more geographically dispersed because their, their staff is moving all over, right? If you can work from home, we saw in 2020, a pretty massive uh, migration from certain parts of the country to others, right? And so workplaces need to adapt to that same model if you wanna get and retain the best people. So it's a mixture of changing workplace. Uh, it's also changing style of workplace. If you're very traditional where everybody's coming into the office on a daily basis, you're going to have space that looks different than a space that's a resource that people are coming to on a part time basis, because they want to collaborate or they want to get away from the kids. But in general, we're going to have different types of space, we're going to have a consolidation of some space. And, um, you know, we're fortunate that our tools have always led the charge in that. Our tools have always been, our solutions have always been, let's get a lot of really good data from lots of different sources and give you the the power to analyze that so you can make sure that you have the right kind of space in the right places to, to meet your needs. And if you have space that isn't working for you, has low utilization, or for whatever reason, isn't providing the benefits that you would expect, you can identify that and
0: get rid of it. I think that's all very fascinating, especially how there has been a migration from the big cities to regional locations around the country. And that's definitely something that will happen. I mean, in my own particular experience, I moved from New York to Utah last year. And I mean, I know at least a dozen or a half, one and a half dozen people who left New York and moved to smaller cities, uh, yeah. some who have continued to work for their companies remotely, others who who left their companies. So that's a very interesting point. Um, how has the pandemic changed the way that you address customer issues? I mean, I imagine you guys are being asked the impossible on a regular basis. And and what do you do when you get these requests? How do you navigate the situations? How do you keep your clients happy?
1: Everybody hesitates. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we don't like impossible requests. And I don't mean that, meaning we don't want to hear them. It's, uh, we would never want to say it's impossible. <laughs> but there are some challenging requests. And, and it's all about, you know, going back to the beginning when I said, helping the customer navigate what is is where the focus should be now, versus what should come next. And that can be challenging at times, where you say, where can we get, we understand you want everything right now. But Where are we gonna get the most bang for the buck for our time and energy and focus? And where do we need more time? Because it's a product feature and it takes a while to design features, get them into the product, roll them out. Anyone that's been in the software industry in any way knows that it takes a while to build product. We've been fortunate because we just launched all new product. So we're uh, in a fortuitous place in that, you know, with this changing landscape, we had a tool and a set of uh, uh, solutions that were well suited to this. But even on top of that, in 2020, we were, we launched brand new product across the board. So we're in a very good place from an innovation standpoint. So it's really about where do we find quick wins? And where do we get it extraordinarily planful about we can't do that now, but we can do that. And uh, in the future, and we're going to make sure it aligns with what your needs are. Anything, Josh and Ryan, you'd want to add to that? Uh, no, I, I agree with that. And and a lot of it dealing
2: with you know, customers asking to do the impossible or all these all these requests they need today, tomorrow, it's really understanding what they are trying to accomplish. Because it, it might be that we have a way that we can do that already without having to build this specific feature that they're looking for or to have it operate this specific way. And that's all, that's all part of, of that customer journey we keep going back to is just really understanding the needs of the customer and how can we help them with what we have today? Because, you know, there's going to be um, plenty of new stuff that comes tomorrow, next month, but how do we address, like James says, their concern now, how do we help them navigate that today? And then leading up to um, getting the feature functionality that they're that they're asking for. Um, you know, eventually we'll get there, and all will be good. But, but really, how how are we going to help them? And is there a better or easier way
3: to do that currently? Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely agree uh, with both Josh and James. And you know, like typically, if I see what would be perceived as an impossible request, I think the first place you start with that is to ask why, and break it down because typically uh, a customer might not really take the time to to focus and really understand the why behind uh, what would be perceived as an impossible request.
0: How much do you customize and tailor? It sounds like you customize and tailor the software pretty much for every client, adding features that may not exist for other clients. Is that correct? How much is that what makes SpaceIQ products stand out?
1: It really depends upon uh, the product uh, that you select. So some products are, are, Out of the box and you can certainly do configuration and tailor it to your needs but uh you can't you know do customizations and you'd see me doing air quotes uh if uh this wasn't a podcast uh but other products you can do whatever you want uh it's almost a canvas right and that's where i get you know back to whatever your needs are, there's a good product for you based upon where you're at and what you're trying to do. And so we'll help customers navigate, you know, understanding what are the trade offs and the benefits. So as you customize more, then uh, there's a cost associated with that. And there's there's also an ongoing cost, as we release new innovation, you might not be able to leverage that innovation or you may have to tweak these customizations to take advantage of it. So that's a big part of the of the customer success managers responsibility and what's so important with the customer is making sure not only that they're getting the most value out of the product they selected, but if there's a different product that they should have an addition or maybe even switch to that they know when that right time
0: uh, might come. As we, as we wrap up, what are, some of the most unique requests you've received or any other examples that you think are worth sharing? One that
1: I'll uh, mention that I'm uh, pretty proud of is when the pandemic first hit, uh, we had a customer come forward and say, we've had an impact uh, in the workplace. We had people that we know tested positive And based upon that country, there was an obligation for the employer uh, to work with uh, the government agency and, and play an active role in ensuring the health and safety of the employees. So the government agency was saying, we need to know who was in the office and we need to know where they were and who may have been in proximity with them. And the quicker we jump on this, the better chance we have to keep everybody safe. So, we were able to uh, do some analytics and uh, very quickly turn around uh, the information that they wanted so that they could do contact tracing. And this was in the very early days of what is contact tracing and how are we going to do it? And the fact that we could quickly uh, respond in a helpful way, I thought was um, it it felt good to be you know part of the solution.
0: That's amazing that the data was able to. Help you guys with the contact tracing, kind of like do that forensic investigation.
1: Exactly, um, and the fact that we were able to do that in a way that's consistent with government regulation and the privacy and respect for you know employee data, it, it was a great success story that we could balance all of those different needs of health and safety and privacy.
2: I, I would say a rather um, interesting example was I, I had a client that. You know, because people are working from home they wanted to see how they could how they could um, understand if employees are actually actually working so think of kind of a, a sensor technology but but for for people's people's houses and this is a great example of a lot of times our clients come to us with these requests because they think it sounds great once they're talking they're in this meeting with everyone they're like oh this is awesome and then they bring it to us and we really you know have to kind of take them a step back and say, let's really think about this. Why, you know, wh- why, why do you need to do this? What, what's the benefit? And then, then explain, but then they also, as you know, as we're having them explain it to us, then they start taking a step back and say, Oh, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Maybe, maybe, this would cause some issues and controversy. And so, you know, just going back to kind of the whole premise of this conversation is, um, you know, really we're, we're there their partner in crime. We're, we're their advocate for their company and helping them navigate this this crazy time. And there's a lot of crazy requests. There's a lot of great requests. And for us as a company, it's really taking the time to evaluate what's the best for everybody overall. Um, and that also kind of leads to, we have a lot of customers that want to obviously dictate our roadmap and and You know build all these one-off things that maybe only they would use but we really have to step back and look at a whole as an entire industry what's going to help everybody and what's going to help everyone navigate this thing together and eventually get everyone back to the workplace quickest and most efficient way
1: and josh brings up a great example of where uh, we have a request that we might need to help the customer think through it right yeah so And it's a big issue right now regarding where's the line between health and safety or productivity and respect for people's privacy. And we would typically um, encourage customers not to be overly intrusive as people are in their home environment.
0: I think it's fascinating because it's something that all companies are dealing with right now and all employees are dealing with right now. And I would imagine a sensor that you would have your employees have inside their home to see if they're actually working or not. There's a privacy concerns. And it also makes the employees feel like they're thieves, like they're, you know, stealing company money or whatever. So there must be more effective ways to go about that to ensure that your employees are engaged and actually working on the clock. What are some of those ways of doing it that don't require a sensor inside the home?
1: You know, and this is taking off my real estate hat and putting on my managerial hat you're almost always going to be better off when you focus on outcomes and you focus on respect for people and enabling uh pick you know hire really good people hire people you trust and enable them to be successful and then hold uh people accountable for outcomes and uh, and that usually works better i think in general the idea of having uh, a punch clock uh, is is becoming less and less desirable. And if you wanna hire the very best people, they're probably not going to want to feel like they're punching a clock or sitting in front of a camera all day because they work for an organization that doesn't trust them. Um, so if you can build an environment where it is based upon trust, but also high standards on outcomes, you'll be successful. And then when you want to have more data around how are we using space and who's in the space, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier because there is some trust it, people understand the data you want and how it's useful and helpful. If you're going the route of we want to know if you're working or not, you may have some trust issues as you start trying to grab more data.
0: Trust and communication are key always, especially in this environment. Yes. Any. Questions I didn't ask, anything any of the three of you would like to say before we wrap up?
1: Only that uh, 2020 was a big year of change for everyone. And 2021 is going to be a big year of change as well, uh, especially in our space. And as, um, think about the whole world left work, uh, or at least the vast majority of did, and now everyone's coming back and we're, we're figuring out together what's gonna to be most effective and productive and what norms are changing. I think we all agree it's gonna be different than it was a year ago before all this started. Um, and there's a lot of ideas of what the new normal will look like. And we mentioned more reservation, we mentioned more of your employees uh, distributed geographically, more use of agile space, so reservations. Uh, when you come into the space on a part-time basis. But there's a lot more to figure out, like what is the right space? What is the right level of privacy? There's a lot more to figure out and we're excited that we're leading the charge uh, in this from a technology standpoint and helping our customers be successful.
0: Well, thank you all for this great conversation and for all this really good insight. I think it'll be really helpful to all those who listen. and. You know, also help understand what products and services Space IQ has that makes Space IQ really stand out in this space. Pardon the pun. Again, I'd like to thank James Franklin, Chief Customer Officer at Space IQ, Josh Carson, Head of Account Management for SAQ Product, and Ryan Benson, Customer Success Manager at Space IQ. Thank you all again for listening. I'm Edgar Zuniga, and this is Power of the Workplace Podcast.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of SpaceIQ. Examples of analysis performed within this recording are only examples based on predictions and not facts. They should not be taken as official guidance or direction by SpaceIQ and the assumptions made within the analysis are not reflective of the position of SpaceIQ. All formal regulatory and public policy implications associated with COVID-19 and other issues affecting business operations and management should be managed and overseen by independent specialists, government agencies, or industry associations.